You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mic check, mic check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles, and we have one hell of an episode today, and the reason it's one hell of an episode is because I feel that today's guest, his name is Connor Fulmer and Connor, um, has a story that I feel is, is more relatable even than my story, right? I live in Iowa. I have access to a decent amount of ground, you know, from knocking on, you know, knocking on doors, getting permission. Uh, I hunt public a little bit, but Connor's story here is for a very long time, he's been hunting a family farm. It's a very, I'm not going to say very small because I know people who hunt smaller uh, pieces than 40 acres, but those people aren't sharing it with like 10 other hunters. So he has like his father, a couple of his uh, step cousins or step uncles and his sister and all these other people who are hunting the property as well and he still gets it done and now you want to talk about what I what I feel is a very high pressure scenario as soon as the hunting season starts you got 40 acres I think he he hunts 40 acres and then he has access to another you know 100 acres or something down the road but as far as this this particular property as soon as the season starts all these people are uh, trying to hop on this very small piece. They communicate well with each other, letting everybody know, you know, what is, um, you know, who's going to be there. But at the same time, it's just, it's congested. So, uh, but he gets the job done. And that's what today's episode is about. Uh, Connor talks about, you know, the importance of communication, the, you know, how you know you can't really be mobile on 40 acres especially with all these other people hunting and and when you hunt a piece of property for a handful you know for several years you know what the deer are going to be doing on certain um, you know wind directions at certain times a year so there's not really a need to be mobile Uh, so he talks a little bit about that and then he also kind of talks about hey man I want to try something different. I've been doing the same thing for several years now, and I want to try something different. I want to go knock on doors. I want to go, uh, you know, go to go to public, and uh, it's a really good conversation. And I, I enjoyed uh, being the, you know, listening to his story, and I think it is very relatable to all the guys out there who, you know, who don't have access to a lot of ground. So. Uh, awesome episode today's commercial what are we doing here where that okay hunt stand um, if you guys haven't picked up hunt stand go to huntstand.com you can download it for free it's like 30 bucks for an entire year and you get a ton of functionality out of that app you get what do you get you get uh, you know obviously a variety of base maps that you can you cycle through you can get top you know topography you can get satellite imagery um, there's a whole bunch of different functions like you know the the standard uh, landowner um, 
you know how big a, a piece is how many acres it is uh you know property lines bordering public and private a whole bunch of awesome information so what i'm going to recommend is go to huntstand.com check out all the functionality and then when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code sn20 for 20 percent off your purchase um wasp archery man we're talking about some of the best broadheads ever made period the best material available and broadheads that it's just it's one of those things where they just destroy every single thing that they that they come in contact with and i've had a lot of good um experience experiences with these broadheads and that's why i i continue like i really like working with wasp because it's a product that i can definitely get behind majority majority of their heads are made in america so that's a win too um the discount code there for 20 percent off is nine fingers two zero two one nine fingers two zero two one ozonics and another one of those products that man you just gotta go you gotta take a leap of faith and go try it if you if you know a buddy who has one um this next season why don't you go and and borrow one and just take it out in the tree with you or you know maybe use it in your home let's just this is gonna this is a bad example but maybe there's some odor in your home in a bathroom or in a a crawl space that is real moldy and mildewy put an ozonics in there let it run and notice how it takes the odor out of that environment and that is what it's doing to you in the woods and that is what it's doing to your clothing when you use their dry wash bag and their closet so um they have a discount code nfc21 for a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of their units more information to come on Novex uh, tree stands. They are the, you know, it's a new company. It's not a rebrand, but it is a, um, it is very similar to the Lone Wolves that I have been using. So there is a story there. I'm still trying to get the, um, uh, the, the people from Novex to hop on and talk a little bit about the connection there. Made in America products. The functionality is the same as the Lone Wolf. It is a, it, these are badass tree stands, right? So uh, go to NovexOutdoors.com. Vortex Optics. Vortex is the title sponsor here on the Nine Finger Chronicles. And I'll tell you right now, good people, good business, just like everybody that I work with. But Vortex stands out because of their VIP warranty. That, that VIP warranty is if you break any equipment that you've ever bought from them, they will replace it or they will fix it for free and send it back to you. And that's a win, man. That 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 just tells you one that they are invested in the long long-term partnership with you their end user. Like they want once you go Vortex you're, you're going to stay Vortex. So that's what they want. Uh, vortexoptics.com. Exodus Trail Cameras. If you guys are looking for a tra- trail camera that works, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out, just go go and read through all the functionality of their cameras. Their cell cams are very easy to set up. Download an app, scan it, and it's up and running. I mean, it's it couldn't be any easier. And then uh, Excalibur Crossbows. If you, if a new hunter, an older hunter, um, or you just like shooting crossbows, go check out ExcaliburCrossbow.com and, uh, you know, check out all the different crossbows that they offer. These guys have been around for 30 years, and I'll tell you right now, they, uh, they definitely are a cornerstone in the archery world because they've been around. And you, you, you don't last 30 years if you are... You don't last 30 years if you you put out a crap product. So uh, these guys are doing good things with uh, their bows. ExcaliburCrossbow.com. All right. (laughs) Get get those out of the way. Now let's get into all the stuff we want to hear. And that is a really good small properties episode with Connor Fulmer. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Connor Fulmer. Connor, what's up, man? How's it going, Dan? It's going pretty good, man. I don't know about you right now, but we're sitting at about zero here in Iowa. What's the temp up in Wisconsin? Yeah, about the same. Feels like negative 13. Yeah. So you're from Wisconsin. What part of the state? Green Bay. Green Bay. All right. So um, does does that bay freeze all the way over every winter? Not all the way over, 
but enough to get a lot of guys out ice fishing that's for sure yeah yeah is is ice fishing a i mean uh let's see we're recording this on a thursday uh friday let's see friday we're gonna the michigan outdoors podcast or the the michigan life outdoors podcast is gonna launch an episode about ice fishing do you do any ice fishing at all oh yeah yep i actually went this morning oh really nice yep nice catch anything yeah we've been oh yeah we've been doing pretty good on the perch for sure yeah that's definitely a a fish fry type of fish like i love perch man yep they're great any pan fish honestly is just awesome yeah uh let's see here so you reached out to me through instagram and wanted to talk a little bit about the the buck that you shot last year and upon you know talking with you before we started recording um, you've been hunting a particular piece of property in Wisconsin for a very long time. So I kind of want to dive into that, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, uh, what, what do you do for a living? I am a welder fabricator okay. yeah. at Robinson metal. Okay. How long have you been doing uh metal fab? Uh, just about a year now. Okay. Did you have to go to like a tech school or something like that? Yep, I just went to our local tech school for a year. Okay, and they put you through the the welding program? Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, I was told by a guy who had been in a maintenance department of a... uh, of a a steel building manufacturer that I was a shitty welder. So, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, you you gotta have a hand for it, and I I don't think I had the hand for it. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. It's not easy. Cool, man. All right, Wisconsin, and you've been hunting on this uh, piece of property for a while, it sounds like. what? Uh, talk to us a little bit about this property that you spend most of the time hunting on every year. Yeah, it's my grandpa's piece of property. It's only about 40, maybe 50 acres. Uh, it's got three little fields in it. it. Every two years, they're hay, rather corn. So the deer seem to kind of alternate what they do they seem to have a home homeland when it's corn and they just come over to feed when it's beans but yeah i'd say it's like half field half timber gotcha so it's it's pretty nice yeah so is this the only place that that you hunt deer in just south of the piece my grandpa has a lease that we are also on now Okay. That we gun hunt, and it's a, I think, two hundred acre, maybe a little less, but yeah, around there. Gotcha. It's just south of the piece, but it's connected to the timber. Okay. Do you do you bow hunt that at all too, or is it just a gun hunting property? Yep. It's we can only lease it for gun hunting. Okay. So there's another. There's actually another hunter or group of hunters that hunts that, that oh, yeah. two hundred. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, so you bow hunt though too, right? Yep, that's that's what I love to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me ask you this, right? And and maybe I take this for granted sometimes, but I feel like people who listen to this, unless they hunt public and can go out and you know stomp around on large large pieces of, of um, uh, public ground that the majority of people probably are in your position that have a, a smaller acreage. Like for me, I have like access to, I don't know, close to a thousand acres. Um, yeah. In a, in a, in a couple different pieces, a lot of that is ag ground. So, you know, there is some chunks of timber Mm -hmm. and and fingers and and your typical Iowa farm, if you want to call it that. And you're sitting on, you're sitting on a 40. So let me ask you how many, how many people hunt, that 40 acres with you me my dad my little sister my little brother um my dad's stepbrother and his sons sometimes okay so that's a lot of people on a very small piece of property how do you guys manage that like how, how do you number one communicate with each other and say, well, I'm going to be here this weekend or today or tomorrow or whatever. Uh, And then on the top of that, how do you keep from bumping deer off the property with that many people trying to hunt it in a single season? 
Well, first of all, uh, communication is just number one. We just always, we always know where we are and when. Um, and we have a my grandpa drives onto the property pretty much every day just to just because he likes to just yeah. check it out. But he does it every single day on the same path. So we take that path, but then we go all the way around the out the outer edge of the property for pretty much every stand. And then, because by the we we've been hunting for so long, we know where they're bad. We know, you know. So we we have the access pretty locked down yeah. at this point. Yeah. So it's one of those properties that, through the number of years that you guys have been hunting it, you have found the uh, the 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 deer movement, and it's you've isolated the deer movement. They bed here, they feed here, and they go back and forth in in this range. Does that ever, does that ever change? Have you ever seen that change throughout the years? Like one thing that I've noticed is in, in certain properties, right? Let's say a tree mm-hmm. falls down or a storm comes through, knocks a bunch of trees over, then it gets real thick in an area and then mm-hmm. over or the opposite or over a, a 10 year period, uh, like the farm that I'm hunting, the, the timber is starting to open up more. Right, it's not as thick in certain parts because yeah. the the timber is maturing, and that actually is um, changing deer movement behavior. Have you noticed any of that on that particular forty acres? And then, what have you guys done to adjust to that new deer movement? Yeah, like I said before, uh, the the I don't know, farmer that harvests the the fields that are on it, they alternates every two years. Yeah. from corn to beans and the deer seem to like to hide in that corn early season rather than when it's beans that like just come and graze they don't really have a i don't know a home sense on that piece during that time when it's beans and also there's a there's a pretty big creek that runs right through the middle of it and when that's low i feel like there's definitely less deer movement down on that west side where the creek is so we can definitely pinpoint when that creek is high. We can definitely set up that side most of the time. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this, right? Over the years, you kind of identify everything, right? I, I take mm-hmm. it because of the small amount of property and the number of people that hunt it. This isn't a, a mobile hunting property, right? You're not running and gunning yeah. on it. The tree stands are set, and you go to the those tree stands. Are there ever any instances where you you feel like, man, I, I really wish I could move a tree stand or put a new tree stand up, but then think, man, if I do that, I, I have the potential of throwing them off their their pattern, or, or how how does that work? Yep. So when I feel like that, I honestly just find a I find a spot on the ground, take a bucket, make a little blind, uh, make sure I'm super cautious, super, especially about my scent, and just I just get super cautious, get on the ground where I where I've seen deer in my stand, and I just literally just sit on the ground. Okay. All right. Um, so you, you just you just kind of your running gun then becomes just a kind of a ground hunt. Yep. Have and you it, had, have you had any success you, yeah. that way? Yep. Yeah, I've shot a good buck doing that, and then two does. Okay, I got gotcha. um, you. Yep. All right. So, does there ever come at any time where, let's say maybe you or somebody is on the property, they've got a deer located, they're going in for the kill. And then the, and then another group of people wants to come in and hunt that, uh, that night too. Is there ever any instances where you're just like, Hey man, I've put a lot of work into this deer in the past couple days or weeks. I'd appreciate it if you stay off just for a couple more days until I either get it done or he disappears or, or uh, is it just kind of a, uh, hey man, as long as everybody's hunting, it's, it's, it's a happy day. Yep. Yeah. It's like that. If, if someone gets one, everyone gets one. Okay. You know, everyone's really happy for each other. If someone just is successful. Okay, man. Um, I tell you what, that's a, that's, that's nice. 
because yeah, I know, mm-hmm. especially growing up with some, you know, knowing some of the people that I, I hunt with, knowing how they hunt and knowing how serious they take deer hunting and, and habitat management yeah. and things like that. I've heard of guys going after deer or having a piece of property that they babied so much that they didn't even let their family members like wife or kids mm-hmm. come on that property because they were afraid that they were going to bump deer out of it. And I, and I, I, I understand where that yeah. person's coming from, but at the same time, I'm just like, then you're being selfish because yeah. you're only offering that property to just yourself. Right. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have internal debates about that. Do you guys ever run into anything like that? I mean, kind of but not really we're we're, we have a really close family and i mean my family also has other pieces to hunt but we're i'm kind of just isolated that one spot yeah yeah we're we're pretty close we don't really run into any situations like that i gotcha all right so the other thing uh that you brought up brought up to me um is the the fact that you guys don't you guys you guys used to but then you you went away. You stopped using trail cameras altogether. Walk us through why you decided to walk away from using trail cameras um, and knowing what de- kind of deer were on the property that you hunt. Yeah, so since we have so much history with the land and it's such a small piece of property, um, I mean, my dad's stepbrother still runs a couple and he'll give us an idea of what's running around, you know, every once in a while. But we just, we go every single day that we can, every weekend we can. And we, we like the mystery. We yeah. like, at this point, we know when and where the deer are going to move, so to speak. So, yeah, we just like the fun of not knowing. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well, what, um, what have you noticed from, from that point? Like, have you noticed that your hunts become more uh, enjoyable? Because here's here's a problem that I run into sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I will know that, like, I'll have, for example, this year, I had in this 200-acre area, um, one, two, three, four, five, six trail cameras out. Seven, seven, excuse yep. me, seven trail cameras out. Mm-hmm. I would say in about a 200 acre piece. And I knew, mm-hmm. and so when I went in there early November to go check to see what deer were running around, I knew exactly what deer were running around in this area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had expectations of the, the good thing was if a, you know, a three-year-old popped up that had a good antlers, I, I wasn't going to shoot him because I knew that, Hey, there is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, there, there's better deer there. And so I, I got a picture of the de- of one of the bucks. Uh, there was two shooters running around and I said to myself, uh, it's one of these two deer or nothing, uh, because that's what's on, yep. that's what's on the camera. And l- I got lucky and I, and I had an encounter with the, the number one deer on the property this year. And I, mm-hmm. I put an arrow in him and watched him die. But at the same time, mm-hmm. all I was doing was thinking about that deer and just, kind of waiting for him and there and i i completely understand what you're saying is the the anticipation was kind of gone right i i was yeah. it was almost mm-hmm. like i was relying on trail cameras too much did you did you run into that yeah yep you yep, that's pretty much what i was that's pretty much my thought process i just like i said i like the unknown and i like knowing i like figuring out how the deer behave myself just watching and sitting, yeah. like I said, every single day that I can, just observing the property. Gotcha. Um, so did, did you find it was more fun once you got rid of the trail cameras? Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I mean, that's a good thing. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. I can I can do that. I don't know if I could step away from trail cameras. I, I guess I like knowing what the biggest, baddest buck in the area is doing. And yeah. and and then make a plan to go after that deer. What? Let me let me ask you this: What kind of hunter are you? Uh, I um I would love to be a strictly bow hunter, but 
like I said, that I have a big piece to gun hunt and a small piece to bow hunt. But a lot of the deer run across the same piece of timber. So I like to I like to do whatever I know the deer are doing because like I, I know that property so well that I can just pick apart every stand and just during come rut too, there's a whole side of the property that is just completely dead. Yeah. And we that success almost every year there. Okay. So So yeah. We just isolate the property. That's pretty much our strategy. Okay. So you stay out of it. You almost treat it like a little sanctuary then all year round. Yep, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you guys turkey hunt on it? Do you go mushroom hunting on it? Do you go camping on it? Yeah, we turkey hunt on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Shed hunt. Do you guys go shed hunting? Yeah, we did last year for the first time, and I think I'm going to stick to that. It was pretty fun. found a couple sheds. And actually, my brother... The year prior to this first year shed hunting, he hit a buck, a nice two and a half, maybe three and a half year old eight pointer, and he was ten years old at the time. It would have been his first deer. Uh, we couldn't find it, barely any blood. My dad had a good visual of what the buck was. Yeah, and we step into the piece, and laying right there, just facing us, is the dead head of his buck. Gotcha. So at least you were able to recover it so, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I know that I know this is an obvious question, but I, I want to get into um, the deer that you ended up shooting uh, this year. But what are some of the, you know, what are some of the? This is something that I I guess I don't think about because I have enough property to move around. Yes, I share property with other hunters, but it's not anywhere near as pressured as what or uh, the number on that small of acreage that you do. What are some downfalls to hunting? And I know this is kind of an obvious question, but what are some of the downfalls to hunting a 40-acre piece with 10 people? Uh, one thing I actually kind of run into, um, if I see a decent two-and-a-half buck and I know my sister is sitting down the way, or even just like a good buck, and he's walking right towards her, I, it's, I run into a pretty tough situation there. Or just because there's my stepbrothers or my dad's stepbrothers' kids are also very young, and at this point, I I really really love seeing kids shoot deer. Yeah. So and also we don't run trail cameras, so I don't know what's around. So seeing a good buck while other people are hunting, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a. So so what you correct me if I'm wrong, but you like to see the youngsters shoot deer but at the same time you would probably pass that deer if it walked by you yeah. in hopes that it would get another year under its belt yep absolutely okay man that's a dilemma that's uh so let me yeah. ask you let, let me ask you this yeah. have you thought and i know this is difficult but in order to accomplish some of your goals have you thought about going and, and knocking on doors to try to gain access to a piece of property or leasing yourself or um, even going out on, on public or maybe even traveling to a different state to try to accomplish, uh, I don't know, a different set of goals? Absolutely. That's actually what me and my dad are planning this year. We're going to try a big public piece that we have some good info on. And we're going to start knocking on doors that we that we also have info on just because we, we've been around the area for so long. Yeah, we're just going to start exploring for sure. Gotcha. For sure. On on public? Yep. yep. Gotcha. Well, and, and that's the best thing, man. On, on public, you can do whatever you want, right? The, the mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you'll probably have to fight people but you're already kind of fighting people yeah there's rules and regulate like there's certain rules and and ethics and uh, communication on the small piece that you that you have but um but it sounds to me like this is going to open up a whole new door for you and i think this is just my gut feeling it's going to actually improve your hunting skills yep that's exactly what i was thinking because i've just been hunting this whole piece my whole life it was a small piece my whole life and i just i'm at that point where i just i just want to 
I just want to explore at this point. Try something different, man. Yeah, that's part of it. Yep, that's exactly. part of it. I've been hunting a, mm-hmm. a couple piece of property. You know, let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So I'm on a six-year run where I've harvested a mature buck for six years. And yeah. I, I love doing it. But there's a little part of me mm-hmm. now that's just like, eh. Like, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but it's, I've, I've learned the property. I know where they move. Um, I know how they move. I know when they move. And so yep, exactly. the, the scale, I'm not going to say it's, it's a hundred percent tipped in my favor because it's not because anything could happen, but I've educated myself on a piece of property so much. And I've, I've found good success on this property that it's every single year. I feel like it's becoming less and less interesting right it's like the chess game is not the chess game that it was four or five years ago yeah exactly yeah Mm -hmm. okay so let's let's talk a little bit about um this year's deer you sent me a picture looks like a great deer um kind of walk us through what uh like obviously you didn't have any trail camera pictures of it going in Mm -hmm. um what just out of curiosity, what day, what was the date that you shot this buck on? October 15th. October 15th. All right. So right in the middle of the dreaded October lull, right? Yep. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what, what, uh, what the temp was like, what the, what the deer were doing. Um, what, why were you in that stand that night? Well, actually the weekend before, um, my dad was sitting the stand, and he saw, I think, 14 bucks, six of those being mature shooters. And All on one night? Back, in that On that 40? Yep. Oh, dang. In one evening. In one evening. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yep. It's a good, two good four and a halfs at least, some three and a halfs, and a couple two and a halfs. But yeah, he drew back twice, uh, couldn't get a shot, obviously, and then I sat there the next night because he couldn't hunt that night didn't see a single deer <laughs> and then <laughs> the next morning the next weekend rolled around he can't hunt that whole weekend so i'm like okay game on <laughs> i'm taking that stand so i said it that saturday morning i plan on sitting all day i sit all day don't see a single deer you sit all day um, on in mid-october yep Yep, knowing that my dad saw that many bucks that past weekend, I, I I just had to. I just felt like I had to. Okay. That takes a lot of guts. I, I, I don't think I could even do that in the, yeah. middle, in the middle of the rut, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm young. I'm going to do it while I can. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fact. That's a fact. So what was it about this tree stand? that you liked so much why were the deer using it you know was it whereabouts was it in this bed to food pattern so 100 yards to the west of the stand the stand is facing north 100 yards to the west is the creek and then another 100 yards to the east is a big is a big bean slash cornfield and then it's in the sitting smack dab in the middle of probably a, I don't know, a hundred yard stretch of timber that stretches from this piece all the way down to my gun hunting property, which is a good way. So it's a giant funnel into the property. So they pretty much have one way through timber to get onto this piece. Okay. So it's like a, it's like a big travel corridor almost. Yeah, exactly. There's no other way they can get onto our property without going through a field. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so then, you know, your dad saw all these deer uh, uh, while he was in the stand. Is this a stand that's on a field edge, or is it kind of in the timber on a ridge or something like that? There's a – it's right in the middle. Yeah, it's on the drop-off of a ridge. There's a giant ridge behind me where I can't see anything. But then I just have a big open uh, lane in front of me that runs perpendicular to me. And then I have a field uh, 100 yards in front of me. And then I field 100 yards to the right of me. And it's just, I'm just surrounded by timber. All I can see is timber. I just know that I'm in this big funnel 
And gotcha. they always, I know the trails they travel by now. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So, so ton of deer one night, no deer the next night. You decided, you know, you were going to put a lot of time in, in, uh, um, in the, the tree. Talk to us a little bit about the, the, the day it all happened. I mean, did you have to work? Uh, did you have the day off? What was the, what was the layout here? Yeah. So that next weekend, uh, that my dad couldn't hunt, I didn't see a single deer that Saturday. Um, and then I hunted that Sunday and I didn't see a single deer until I remember the sun just hit the horizon. I just couldn't see the sun. And then I look at my phone, there's 10 minutes left of shooting light. So I didn't see a single deer all weekend. So I'm getting pretty discouraged at this point. So I reached to grab all my stuff, pack up my bag. And so for this stand, it's, at a pretty steep decline because it's just an old wooden uh, ladder stand that's been there for like 15 years. Yeah. So it's like declining quite a bit. So I have to literally face the stand standing up or face the tree standing up the whole entire time a minute. <laughs> and my bag or my bag is on my right. And my bow is on my left. So and my tether for my harness is on the left side of my body. So I reach for my bag on the right side. And then I hear, as soon as I take it off the hanger, I hear, like way down in the woods. I'm like, okay. So it was a pretty calm night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was dead calm, zero wind all day. It was a beautiful weekend. But no deer until now. And I hear, I'm, I'm no doubt a deer. And I hear him way back in the woods. So I knew I had some time. Put my bag back on. And, and then I just, just start sound like he started running towards me. And I turn around, grab my bow, I look down. He's right there at twenty yards in this ridge. All I see is white on top of his head. I couldn't see his body at all. And like I said, there was ten minutes left of shooting light. So he's just standing there. Okay. And so it's a west wind. He's um he's to my back right, and he's like I said, it's a big ridge. So he's walking down this ridge. All, the whole time, all I can see is his antlers. So I start shaking. <laughs> Three years prior, let me remind you, I missed a buck, hit a buck, and missed another buck with my bow. So you're so having some shaking. you were having some pretty bad luck with yeah, with yeah. archery. Okay. It's just going through my head these past few years. Like and I finally just okay, settle down. I finally get another chance. And I draw. He's at thirty. Head down, keeps going. Walks to the next lane I already marked out at thirty five. Uh, loud, way louder. I go, Meh. keeps going, head down. Didn't flick, didn't bad an eye. He didn't flick his ear, nothing. And then I already marked out the last lane. I only had three lanes to my right. It was not 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 ideal. Yeah. But I had one lane left at 43 yards, and finally I literally yelled, "Hey!" I echoed in the woods. And he's, <laughs> like literally, he didn't. Need, he jumped, but he was still walking. Right. Like he was on such a mission that he just kept walking, but to the point where I was confident that like I could shoot him right now. Yeah. This is the last opportunity I have, and I put it probably. I don't know four inches above the shoulder and to the left. Does that make sense? So he was, he was walking, he was walking up the ridge. You hit him high and back a little bit. No, no, I put my, I put my pin high and left because he was still on a very slow walk. Okay. Oh, so you were trying to almost lead him a little bit yeah, with your arrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And cause he, cause he, he wasn't was stopping. Two yards. Yep. Okay. And I, I've been practicing at this 
yardage every weekend. I was very confident in that shot. Um, yeah, like I said, I was shaking. I finally settled down to where I was just on that lane, let her fly. Yeah. And as soon as I let it fly here, and right away I'm like, oh. You 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 heard it hit something, but you you weren't sure what it was. Okay. It was I've hit like I said I've hit deer with an arrow, and I have never heard that sound. It was it 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 startled me. It was so loud. I thought it was a tree right away, so I waited till pitch black. Called every called my dad, and I was just so discouraged. Four years, five years, almost five years in a row. Uh, with just garbage of luck and just yeah. bad, yeah. But I get down, anyways. I get down, um, go to the where I thought I saw the arrow go under him. I find the arrow buried under the grass, not in a tree. Pick it up, and the arrows are red. Okay, so that's a good I drop sign. It. Yep, I drop it. And as soon as they, as soon as I drop it, I hear right next to me. And right away, I just dropped it, booked it out of there, sat at my aunt's cottage that night. Uh, didn't sleep. <laughs> right, been there. Yeah, you know, went out the next morning. Um, found the arrow. Good blood. Good blood, good blood, good blood. He's bleeding out both sides. It just streams. And you can tell where he stopped because there's just big puddles on each side of him. And we tracked him, like solid streams and puddles of blood for a good four, five hundred yards. Yeah. And then we finally get to the creek. I'm like, okay, if he's dead, he's going to be in this creek or by it. And this is 12 hours later at this point. So I walked down to the creek, still falling blood, good blood. And he jumps up five yards in front of me. Okay. Where and was he, where was he hit at? Did, were you able to see where he was hit at this point? Nope, I had no idea. Okay, but you were following no good blood? Yes. Okay, how long, yes. how long did you let him sit before you started tracking him? At least 12, 14 hours. Okay, so this is... I didn't know where I hit him. So you go, you go home, you get you, you're up all night, you go back the next morning, you start to track him, and you're, you're following good blood, but you dr- jump the deer again in this track job. Yep, almost 14 hours later. 14 hours later. And you still were not able to see where you, you got him. Nope, I literally almost stepped on him. He how far? Jumped right in front of me. How far from the shot to Five. where you jumped him? Five hundred yards. Okay. Okay. So you're Good have you jumped way. have you jumped the fence onto a different property yet, or is he still on this forty? Nope, he's still right on the fence line, just running down towards the creek. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I jump him. And we back out, go to the bar, get a burger, wait another four hours, and maybe five hours, go back, get on the same blood trail. Um, and my dad had his stepbrother come out, and I had my sister, and I had my dad. They all had their bows, and we made a big, I don't know, big horseshoe on our property. Okay. Like I said, he was right on the fence line, so we made a big horse on our property. I was going to walk that fence line and try to, if he's still alive, he would ideally go towards them. But either way, I make this big loop, and I make circles, kind of like circles around where I thought I saw him bed down after I jumped him. So this is a, like a two-hour process because it's a, he's, he was in a big, uh, big tall grass. I don't know what it was, but it was just really tall, thick stuff. So I just was plowing through it. 
And finally, I was like, okay, screw it. I'm going to go where I thought I saw him bed down after I jumped him. Yeah. And I just go right to it. First thing I see is a G2. And I throw my ball up in the air and hug my dad. <laughs> so you found him. Shed a, shed a couple tears. And, yeah, that was it. Okay. So uh, when you walk up to him, uh, where did where did the shot actually hit? Yeah, it hit part of the stomach, but almost below the stomach. So it was an act, it, was, it actually you actually hit low. Yeah, very low. Very low. It was almost all white hair. That's how low it was. Okay. All yeah. right. So, mm-hmm. man, did you hit lip? That's probably too low for liver. So was it all guts, or did you hit maybe diaphragm at all? Yeah, I was pretty much just all guts. Yeah, but I was shooting a fixed blade with a pretty heavy arrow setup. So I, that sound I heard was the rib cage just getting blown apart. Gotcha. Like his insides were just destroyed. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this: you've had this you've had this experience where you were trying to get a deer to stop. I have had scenarios like that where I've taken a shot at a deer and it was still moving and it didn't work out for me. I've also Mm. had it work out for me. Right. Mm. And so what I, what happens for me is if that deer's not stopping for me, like for me, this is just a personal choice. I'm not taking the shot after You know, after you are able to replay this whole scenario in your head, are you still taking that shot on this deer with him still moving like that? No, absolutely not. That was my first experience with that kind of situation. I've only, I only had a couple bucks under my belt with my bow. Yeah. That was my first, it was, it happened so fast. Yeah. And yeah, it was a split second decision and it, yeah. You know how it goes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now let me ask you this: um, You walk up, like, what was that like though? After a struggle of a recovery, to finally walk up on the deer, you find him, and it's you know the, obviously the body's in still good enough shape where you're able to you know reap the rewards mm-hmm. of not just the antlers but all the meat as well. It was awesome, man. That was my first bull buck in like eight years. Uh, that was the last one was when I was 12 years old. Oh, wow. So I, it was a, yeah. So you're yeah, 20. Like four years. About, yeah, a month away. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're 19 right now. Yep. Okay. All right. All right, man. You got a lot of bow hunting left in your life, my friend. That's yeah. awesome. Don't do, <laughs> let me, I, whether this, whether you want to hear this or not, uh, whether you want to hear this or not, let me just tell you this. Do you have a girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do? Okay. Is it serious? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are you, do you know whether or not if you're going to marry this girl yet? I, yeah, I'd say it's serious, man. Yeah. Okay. At I mean, 19. Wow. Anyway. All right. So let me, let me tell you this. There is no better time to deer hunt, bow hunt, especially if you are passionate and you're starting to be fall in love with bow hunting, there's no better time than right now to do it. Because as mm-hmm. you start to get older, life becomes more complicated. And as life becomes more complicated, usually the less hunting is done, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, like, don't do what I did and waste your time at a, at, you know, going to bars and partying <laughs> and, and like doing a whole bunch of dumb shit, just go hunt your balls off. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, you, when you get to my age, you're going to wish that you did, did that all those years ago. And you're going to learn so much more from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. That's what I've been doing. Man. I go, I went, I think every single weekend last fall and my girlfriend cool enough to understand that that's, that's my passion. That's like the only thing that I look forward to every single year. I absolutely love it. I live for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Hey man, 
it sounds to me like you had one hell of a season last year. Did you did you put the tape to that deer at all to see what he scored? No, we didn't put a tape on him, but he's I'd give him a mid one twenties, maybe one thirties class. Yeah, good, just a solid white uh, eight pointer. Yeah, uh, three year old, you think? Four-year-old? Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'd give him a three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, cool, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, congratulations. And um, you know what You know what I want you to do is it sounds to me like you're going to be doing a little bit of exploring this summer yep. and this fall. What I want you to do is reach out to me at the end of next season, and I want to see what you did. I'm curious to, I'm curious to see what you did as far as expanding or if maybe you decided hey maybe expanding is not for me anymore and i want to just sit and do this same property over and over again and mm-hmm. like keep doing that i'm interested to see mm-hmm. what you decide and what you think about that whole that whole thing yeah for sure i can do that man yeah absolutely yeah, I'm, man I'm looking forward to that well, Connor, man, a, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Congrats on um, an awesome deer, uh, an awesome hunting season. And uh, we will talk to you when we talk to you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, Dan. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Connor. Huge shout out to all of you. Uh, and just because the season's over doesn't mean you should stop listening. Man, we, we are putting out a ton of great information on the, uh, on the Sportsman's Nation, whether it's the Nine Finger Chronicles or the Hunting Gear Podcast or some of the new podcasts that have shown up over the past couple months or some, some favorites that have been around for a while. And uh, we're putting out a ton of great content. So be sure to uh, keep listening to that. And at the same time, man, uh, I'll I'll just say this. Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next week.